My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. An agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. There's no purpose in teaching anybody who don't really want to learn, who really don't want to get to it. Everybody want to play entrepreneur. They don't want the sacrifice that come with the shit. Hmm. Late nights, early mornings. You're going to lose friends, lose girlfriends, family going to call you crazy, not going to believe in you, then you make it, and then everybody going to be like, I'm proud of you, let me get some money. What I've realized that wealthy people understand, mm-hmm. and people in general, it's the small concepts that you can apply to get wealthy. You don't got to be super smart and got to know all the intricacies of real estate or taxes or e-commerce or whatever, trucking, yeah. whatever yeah, it, it is. It's good if you want to be rich in that business, but yeah. you don't need to know that. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know small, basic concepts. Mm-hmm. And one of the smallest basic concepts that anybody can understand is get money by income. Mm. Get money by more money. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste something food on place. What's good with it, my wealth builders? It is your guy, David Bellard, one of the founders of the Black Wealth Renaissance, here with my brother, Jalen. What's good, dog? What's popping with it, my brother? Man, I'm doing great, man. Amazing, brother. You already know, man. It's pie day. Got some great guests, some great games. The energy's crazy, dog. It's great to see my dude again, man. We had a fun and wild night in Miami. Boy, we man, had a time we that had night. A time that <laughs> night, dog. Um, but I'm great, dog. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Doing quite quite well. Like I said, it's Pie Day, bro. I can't never complain on Pie Day. We here to serve the people, give them valuable information, inspiration, and help them elevate in life. That's what we all about here at BWR. Well, shit, let's get into it, let's then, my get brother. It. So before we get into it, though, y'all already know what we gotta ask. Y'all, please make sure y'all leave us that five star rating and review, I and need go it. ahead and share this with a friend. Uh, the information that we share on this podcast is meant to impact lives, so help somebody. Each one teach one, pass it on along. And um, just in case y'all not familiar, we may be having something in Houston. Y'all don't want to miss out. We're going to do a pop-up. We're going to be recording out there on the 26th. Yes, sir. Um, so if text. you want to know, text, text, three, text us the word events, events. to 337-455-7778. Again, that's events to 337-455-7778. You'll join our list, and you'll be the first to know what we got going on. We in the H. Yeah, Ariel. And can, when, when are we saying that? Can you just drop it in the bottom? You know, appreciate you, my brother. Thank you. He's the goat. I already know, man. 
Hemi Neutron. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but no, as, as Jayla was saying, y'all, this brother's a great brother. Um, had the pleasure of meeting him whenever we were at the Black Men in Tech Conference. Shout out to uh, Cam. Shout out to Cam. Cam sir. and Cam, appreciate both of y'all. Yeah, for sir. sure. Building something real special out there um, to just getting our people into technology. And this brother is some doing some amazing work in the, the, the tech, tech space, space along with the traditional real estate market. He's doing what Adam Newman said he was doing with WeWork, right? Actually mixing technology and real estate. Um, and I look at him as somebody who's on the forefront of leading the mass adoption of blockchain technology mm. and really just bringing equity into our community, right? Br making the concept of equity something that's much more attainable. We have none other than Mr. Vernon J, real estate veteran, uh, tech entrepreneur, a real dope brother if y'all never had a chance yeah. to meet him. Uh, founder of Equity Coin. Vernon, how you doing, man? Oh, Welcome to man, the show. Man, brothers, listen, man. Ever since Miami, I've been thinking about this moment coming together and, and chopping it up and just dropping these gems because, I mean, what we're doing with this as far as coming together as a community and then you mix that with technology, you mix that with ownership, bro, you got, you got a combination for something real special. So I'm... First, I just want to say how proud I am of you guys and how excited and energized I am to be here today. Hey, man. Man. Thank you, Definitely my brother. appreciate that, brother. It means a lot coming from you, like yeah, I said. But what so you're doing genuine. in the space yeah. is like super impactful. And like Jalen just said, the, the, the from the first time was we very met, genuine. Very genuine beginning, and like, I'm ready to get into it and let let's the people go. get more about so, you. So, so, let's go. so just to, to hop off for our people who don't know you, Vernon, I know you got your start in real estate. Yeah. Um, you did. You were in real estate for eighteen years That's before broken, entering right? into the technology space. Yep. Correct. That's right. That's so right. let's talk your real estate journey, son. How'd you find your way into real estate? So check it. Like I went to. I was fortunate enough to go to prep school in Massachusetts for high mm -hmm. school. I mean, it's forty thousand dollars a year. You know, scholarship that I got. You know, to go to to go to that school. And what I've learned, I started like asking my classmates and my peers, like, "Yo, what do your parents do? How are they able to afford, afford forty thousand dollars mm -hmm. for your high school? Like, how is that possible?" And I just saw a theme that was going, it was real estate. Like mm. most, a lot of people in those positions were not, if they own like a dentist practice or any kind of thing, they always had real estate as one of those wealth building, you know, uh, things in their portfolio. So after that, you know, from high school to college that, that summer, mm -hmm. instead of working at the movie theater or the supermarket, I got my real estate license mm. and I just, and that was, that was 2005. So if anybody is listening who was in the real estate market in 2005, it was on and popping. Oh, yeah, that, was, that's what no, it was writing right in the morning. It, yeah. it was on and popping. So I was in Manhattan uh, doing luxury rentals. So in one summer, I'm pulling in 30 Thirty-something thousand, and my my dad was like, "Yo, what are, what are you doing? What are, you are you saying? Are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> so that's how crazy it was in 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 when I got started, um, and that's that's was like the the beginning of it. But then 2008 hit, right? Mm. And we all know where we are at. How'd you weather that storm? So check it. So this is what um, I had at that moment. It was a moment uh, in 2008 where I had three deals on the table. Each one of them, each one of them fell through. They didn't go through mm. each. And it was a moment in, in my life. I was like, damn, this market is really tough. I got to pivot somehow. So I pivoted into real estate owned assets and I started managing real estate owned assets because REO, if you guys remember, if you were in the oh, real estate space, okay. remember back REO, that's like bank owned properties right. after the foreclosures. Right. My first job I had in college was managing that. Like 
we would do the work orders for the REO property. So that's what you were doing. That's so I was I went I pivoted to management of bank owned assets, mm. right? Because I knew that okay, it's all about the, the distress market at this moment. Who's so, going to be the owner when the fallout happens? Who's going to be the owner, and then who's going to actually be able to create capital from this? terrible situation right mm. the, the capital is created every day no matter how much you know turmoil is happening in the market you just have to find out where, where? that is right mm. so I, I i pivoted to that and that gave me kind of like the foresight to see like oh shoot like buying properties in the hood and buying properties that are you know dilapidated who could that could be fixed up that's where the major major value is so that was kind of my my transition into uh you know understanding what asset ownership, asset management, mm. um, means, right. And, and, and I, as a real estate professional, if you, if you own assets and you own properties and you're looking to build a portfolio, you got to know everything, bro. You got to know how to sell. You got to know how to manage. You got to know how to, you know, talk to your superintendents. You got to know how to write up leases. You got to be like a lawyer. Like you, all these things have to come together in order for you to be, for you to be successful. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, for me, I did this whole transition from luxury apartments and selling. And, and start selling. Then I went to property management, um, and then I went to acquisitions. So then I started working with uh, a large portfolio, uh, large family who owned about a thousand units in Manhattan, mm. and I was their acquisition manager. So I went out and found deals and put the deals together, packaged them, you know, and then you know brought them to the finish table, finishing table. So that kind of gave me the insight and the, and the knowledge that I needed to acquire mm. assets. So right? now you go from sales management, now acquire acquisitions. Right. Mm. Right. And up to this point, I've done a little bit under 200 million in transactions as a real estate professional. So, I mean, that's from coast to coast. That's New York, Dallas. We've done some deals, you know, Houston, we've done deals, California, of course, Florida. So this is, this is real estate. It runs in my veins, bro. Like I, I dream it. I sleep. I sleep thinking about it. And it, it's it really comes back to my great grandfather, right? The dude, dude came from South Carolina. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. In the 1940s, bro. Dude came up and to Brooklyn. He moved to Brooklyn with his whole family. And he was doing, we called him Uncle Junk. They called him Uncle Junk because he, he had a, um, a rubbish removal company. And mm. back in those days, like in the 1950s, as a black man, the only kind of businesses you could own was rubbish removal or a barbershop. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. My brother-in-law died suddenly, and now my sister and her kids have to sell their home. That's why I told my husband we could not put off getting life insurance any longer. 
an agent offered us a 10-year, $500,000 policy for nearly $50 a month. Then we called SelectQuote. SelectQuote found us identical coverage for only $19 a month, a savings of $369 a year. Whether you need a $500,000 policy or a $5 million policy, SelectQuote could save you more than 50% on term life insurance. For your free quote, go to SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote.com. That's SelectQuote.com. SelectQuote. We shop. You save. Full details on example policies at SelectQuote.com slash commercials. Or things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like Sanford and Son, right? Mm. We look at Sanford and Son. That was a moment in time, bro. Damn. That he was that he was had a junkyard. That was a mo- that that wasn't just you know a, a TV show. That was a moment in history, mm-hmm. right? So really, he, I never realized. Yeah. That. So so my my um my great grandfather came came through and he started doing jobs um like for the mob, really, right? You know what I mean? To be honest with you, in, in Brooklyn, you know, and. And um and he was able to acquire property, he was able to acquire property. He was and the thing is we we grew up so in the 19, 1953, he bought the first brownstone that our family owned right. He bought it for ten thousand dollars on a payment plan, on a on a payment plan. That that joint today is worth over three point two. Y'all still own no, it? We still own it. We still oh, own it. It's shit. still it's, it's one of, one wait of the crown one of the minute. one of the crown jewels in our portfolio. So you know well, as a family, Verde, I, I just gotta. A, a property that your grandfather acquired, say, sometime in the 60s. 53, 1953. 1953. On a payment plan for $10,000 is now worth 3.2 In Carroll Gardens, Brooklyn. You can look it up. There's no properties out there that you could buy for under two. You know? And here's That's a fu- generational wealth Here's right a there. funny story, though, because... And I, there's a story about leadership that I want to kind of talk about because... Uh, and leadership in, in, in the craziest ways. So, in the 1960s... The family in Carroll Gardens, like it was a very Italian neighborhood, bro. Mm-hmm. Very Italian. Like to this day, we're still the only black people in the neighborhood. Yeah. To this day, as far as owning, right? There's renters, but as far as owning. But it came a time when my grandfather had to make a decision if he was going to stay or leave because he was getting a lot of uh, harassment mm. in the neighborhood um, from his, his kids, you know, death threats. This was really sick. It was really like no so joke. So he was living here. He when he when he moved when he bought the property. He was living. Few, there. He was living there for a, you. you know some time, and he had to make a decision. And it's funny the one of the mob bosses in in, in Brooklyn was was friends with him, and he went, and he, and this is a story he told me. So he went to the guy and he said, you know, told him what's going on, and the guy went to everybody in the neighborhood and said, yo, don't mess with this guy, don't mess with this family. He's good people. He doesn't mess with anybody. Leave him the f alone. Ever from that since that moment, never had any issues. Wow. And it, it, that's just a little story on leadership, relationships, f- relationships that you. This is real talk here, guys. This is not you know. This is not no like. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was just watching a show with um about in, in Harlem, a homie uh, man. Uh, BMF. Not BMF, but oh man, the Hall- the Godfather of Harlem. Okay, gotcha. Godfather of Harlem. You know, it's not like that's a story, but this is real shit. You know, this is this really happened. So that's, that's dope. No, yeah, that's, that's that's really like, powerful. The the relationships, and then just when I think about the fact that it's ownership, it says something that we were having a conversation off camera as to why you believe black people should never sell. 
um, because the value appreciation that you can find in real estate by holding on to that asset over time. Now, I did want to talk more about like your real estate journey. Um, so you start, you got to the point where you started doing acquisitions for this other company. When did technology come into the picture? Oh man. So I've always been a tech, like crazy tech, tech, always in tech. Um, I had my first startup in my early twenties and it was called live open house. And what we did was we transformed storefronts into touchscreens. So if you w ever walk by a real estate office, you've seen like pieces of paper in the window. But we actually converted that to a touchscreen. So that window, because the, the manager of that office or the office owner is paying rent every day, every hour. But it's only being utilized for a certain amount of time. Mm. But with the touchscreen, now even after hours, you can connect with your, you can turn your retail space into a connectiv connectivity device. Mm. And Ryan Serhant, who's the on a Million Dollar Listing, he was actually our first client. So you can actually Google it, check it out, and see what we did there. Uh, I sold the 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 IP just to get just to move on from that because the the hardware became too too crazy. And not only that, I learned a major major life lesson with that first startup, which is that you never start a company. I, this is my advice. Nobody has to take it. You don't got to take it. Don't start a company that you have a. If you had a big idea, you want to be able to have some sort of wealth for yourself first you want to be able to have some sort of bedrock mm -hmm. for yourself as far as income mm -hmm. because if you don't then it can become life or death and what i mean is you could you could really get mentally ill mm -hmm. by trying to start a company trying to do a company and not really have the fortitude or the, the capital to do it and then you get venture capitalists on board you take their money and then if things don't pan out the way that you plan which 100 percent of the time it does not you know, they have so much control over you, mm. so much control. Everybody wants that check, but nobody understands what that what check means, up. what you're giving up. Right. So career I had a control, career ownership, all that stuff. All, all that is so important. And I, I'm glad I learned that lesson early. And from that moment in my early 20s, I told myself because I, I actually had a business partner who was my venture capital partner. Mm -hmm. And like he just had such a stronghold on me. Like it was crazy because I was counting on him to eat because this was my business, this was my baby. I was putting everything I had into it, but we still needed it to grow and I needed capital and I didn't have any personal wealth. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it was from that moment when after I sold that company, I said, you know what? The next one I build, I'm going to have personal wealth already in place so that when I'm going to VCs, I can talk to them like this. You don't need them. I don't, I don't need your money. But I'm, I'm going to bring you on board because you're going to bring value. We're going to bring value together. Mm -hmm. Not not one-sided, right? And, and yeah. that, that makes a lot of sense, bro. And, like, I'm glad you opened up this conversation because that's something that we've been talking about more on the podcast with building a business, right? A lot of times, I know in the, the midst of the pandemic, the ethos of the 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 area seemed like, oh, jump off the cliff, yeah, just go start this business, too. have the faith, and it's going to work out. But it's like... Without that bedrock, without that economic certainty, you often put yourself in disadvantageous positions. You're in fight or flight mode. You're yeah, in fight every or flight day. mode yeah. every day. And now right. you're struggling to do what you set out to do or you created yourself a job that was worse than what you were trying to do versus like if you have that bedrock and it made that personal wealth. Like I have my savings. I'm not over here 
wondering how I'm going to pay my rent if this deal doesn't go through. Right. Now I can stand here and look at you in the eye without the sales commission. Like, hey, man, <laughs> I really need this, dog. Like, exactly. I just, I'm glad you shared that because I need more people to understand that we don't have to do the either or. You can build. You, you can build something while you still secure yourself on the side. That's a fact. I think it's so important, man. And <clears throat> so just to fast forward a little bit to my career in 2016, that's when I started to get into blockchain gotcha. technology heavy, bro. Like one of my, one of my guys um, came to me, he was like, yo, you ever heard of XRP ripple? I was like, nah, it's 2016. Yeah. That joint wasn't on forums. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about that ripple. And then I started to understand like what kind of banks are involved. Oh shoot. They trying to disrupt Swift. Swiss, yeah, Swift, which is uh, uh, well, that's the international yeah. payment network, yeah. right? That's yeah. what they shut Russia yeah. out of whenever uh, the, they started attacking. They started attacking Ukraine. They shut Russia. Yeah, there we go. That's what, so they they're disrupting that. I'm seeing it's real. You know what I mean? It's not just like pie in the sky stuff. So I got into it. Got went down the rabbit hole, um, invested, and I made a lot of money in from 2016 to 2019. And then I saw almost all of it disappear mm. because of the the downturn the mm-hmm. right of the marketplace. And I, at that point I was traveling, I was going to Hong Kong, Dubai, Singapore, like all of the different, um, all the different events all across the country for blockchain. And I was learning about so much of the, of the, the nuances. And what I learned was America's so far behind, bro, mm. when it comes to blockchain adoption. Mm-hmm. So far, when I was in Dubai, they're actually putting 100% of their um, financial services on the blockchain by 2025, right? We're, we're not even close to that, not even anywhere close. So it was that point that I got into, into the blockchain space. And then at that same moment, I started building my own portfolio of properties in mm-hmm. Brooklyn. So I started, my, my investment thesis was very simple. I wanted to invest in properties that were going to have Section 8 tenants, so I can guarantee my cash flow, no matter if there's a pandemic, uh, you know, a recession, no matter what's happening out there, I'm always going to get my check on the first and the 15th, mm-hmm. right? Even though like a small percentage of it comes from the from tenant, them. but that's fine because these are like golden tickets, bro. Section eight, section eight vouchers. Nobody wants to lose their voucher. So they're going to be, so they're going to make tenants. sure they're going to make sure they spent, they pay their little bit of, you know, the, the rent to make sure that they keep their voucher. And that's um, what our guy Tim explained to us as well is like, hey, if your Section Eight tenants aren't doing what they do, report their ass to their uh the hood the uh, hood officer, mm-hmm. and it will remove their voucher. He stated that a lot of people who do Section Eight they're too afraid or they don't speak to their hood officers and get the tenants in line. Right, right, and, and that's important. You know, you got to do your due diligence too. You got to do heavy due diligence on the on the front end for everybody who comes in because you get like thirty applications. You know, per apartment for Section mm. Eight, it's crazy. You can't yeah. just take everybody. You can't just take. You can't just take first, first come, first serve when, in that situation because you have to check the references. You got to do your thing. You got to do your due diligence in order for you to alleviate headaches in the future, mm-hmm. right? So that's important. Um, and then, you know, after acquiring a property, after having some tenants, um, you know, after getting into blockchain technology, I started thinking about okay, what, what are some some like key issues that I've been seeing in the real estate market for this last decade plus that I've been in it. And it's two major things that I've seen. Attention business owners and high earning individuals. Take control of your finances with the tailored tax planning services of Magnolia Tax Services. 
Their team of experts specialize in maximizing savings for individuals and businesses by utilizing the latest tax laws and strategies. From complex business structures to high net worth individuals, they'll develop a customized plan to minimize your tax liability and increase your bottom line. On average, they save their clients $17,500. Don't leave any of your money on the table. Contact our partners at Magnolia Tax Services today for a consultation and start planning for a financially secure future. Go to blackwealthrenaissance.com taxes or click the link below. Wendy's two for six dollars lets you mix and match some of our best items like <gasps> Dave single with a 10 piece crispy nugs, medium strawberry lemonade with a spicy chicken sandwich, spicy chicken with a Dave single, Dave single with a strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade, strawberry lemonade. If you're into that chicken, Sam, crispy nugs, crispy nugs, strawberry lemonade, Dave's, Dave's, nugs, nugs, Sam, Sam. Whew. Pick what you want at a price you want. <clears throat> Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's two for six. For a limited time, price and participation may vary. U.S. Wendy's on the card only. Single item at regular price. Um, one is that when it comes to communities of color, there's such a small percentage of families or organizations that own the majority of assets. Right? They own the majority of assets and only a very small percentage of actual individuals own property in the neighborhood. I think mm. that's fundamentally wrong. Fundamentally, and I remember at the conference you you mentioned something that was a very stark uh, reality for me. You said that the average homeowner, right? We start talking about wealth in our community. The net worth of the average homeowner is forty times that. That's right. Of a renter. renter, and if our communities we don't own nothing, we don't we're renters in these communities. What does that do to our worth as a community? Our net, our our assets, and our ability to take care of ourselves financially. That's exactly, and that's that goes back to our our thought of we should always own and never sell, right? Why should we ever sell when we can use our equity to acquire more? You could just keep doing that snowball effect until the day you croak. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be on my deathbed, bros, signing leases, signing deeds, bro. I'm, that I swear because I know that everything I do in this life is gonna help my wife when I'm gone. It's gonna help my children. It's gonna help my nine nephews. And my niece is gonna help my family, right? So mm-hmm. if if I could, if I could do that, then I'm good with my life, right? And the second thing that I've learned in these in these last few in the last decade plus is that when it comes to acquiring affordable housing properties, mm-hmm. um, I, I try to get some of my wealthy family offices to acquire, you know, affordable housing projects, right? Properties. It's exponentially harder for to get deal deals to pencil with the bank. When it comes to affordable housing projects, really, really, why is that? Uh, it's because banks don't. They don't. Banks are there for money. They're ma- they're there to make money. They're not really there to help people. That's mm-hmm. not that's not what they're there for. And we got to keep it funky. That's not their target. That's not their target. That's not what they do. You know, they have these nonprofit, but it's all for show. You know, it's the real nitty gritty or the real meat of what they do is it's to create money. capital. Mm-hmm. That's right? why they take your deposits. Pay you one percent and then loan them out to people at ten, fifteen, and twenty percent. That's that's what I'm saying. So it's like we can't rely on the banks and the government to house our people. We cannot rely on them. We have to be able to galvanize each other and be able to work together, own assets together, mm. in order to buy. You know, house people. I'll give you a quick another quick story. I had um in one of my properties, uh, we have a retail space. And I, I always make sure that we get people that 
are, are on the come up mm-hmm. in the retail space. And our last tenant that came in, like she was, she, she applied for like 15 different places, right. To, to get to, for her beauty salon. And none of the people who she went to, as far as landlords looked like her, she's a black woman, young black woman, late twenties. Right. But she came to me. I saw something in her eye. I saw she was, she was passionate about what she wanted to do. Her credit wasn't great, which is why none of the other people, people took, the took her. But she had cash in the bank. She she's working. You know, I'm gonna give you a shot. Yo, bro, she's been do she's been killing it, bro. Killing it for the last two years. And what I'm what the reason why I said that is because most people they just need a chance, bro. They, they just need an opportunity. And if nobody looks like them, nobody's gonna give them the opportunity. That's the real deal talk right there. You know, if we if we are able to own assets, if we own it, we can make our decisions on the basis of our ownership, right? So those are the two things that, like, I've learned. Uh, I, now, I'll follow yeah. you because, like, whenever it's somebody in our shoes, right, because I, I think about it with the situation with appraisers, mm. um, with black appraisers, mm. right? We're, there's a, a massive shortage, shortage of black appraisers. And we've seen on multiple occasions now, Homes be devalued. I think mo- uh-huh. most recent story I heard was from like hundred thousand dollars, like twenty twenty pandemic area. So a home, like I think it was in California, the family's house was devalued by almost half a million dollars because they had a white appraiser come through. Yeah, um, they looked at the home, they seen the pictures of the family and all that. They wrote it in at eight hundred thousand. Family thought it was low. They did the same thing where they took all this stuff down and made it look like it wasn't for them. It was it didn't belong to us. Got an appraiser that was a white appraiser to come through this house. They had their white neighbor pretend to be the person who owned it. Value comes in at one point three million, mm. right? It's like there's an inherent bias there that sometimes that we don't want to acknowledge, but it definitely affects our opportunities to create wealth and the actual wealth that we own. So it's like the fact that you what you're saying, just to tie it all back in, is like the fact that you are in a position of ownership gives you the opportunity to create that opportunity for somebody else who may not be in the ideal situation. So they're not getting discriminated against or losing out on a chance to continue to build a business. Look, look guys, it wasn't too long ago that there were deed restrictions on properties. No blacks allowed deed restrictions. So I can't even own it. I can't even, I can't own it. If I have a million thousand gajillion dollars, I cannot own it. You that 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 gives me that gets me so fired up about ownership because if it wasn't for if it like fifty years ago I wouldn't be able to own the assets that I own so why the hell would I sell? Hmm. You know what I'm saying? If 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 I would, didn't even have the opportunity just decades ago, who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba da ba ba ba. Bro, why would I bro, not see I gotta it? go ham. Every chance. Every chance I get, every every ounce of breath I take, I gotta being on this podcast with you guys, I gotta put this breath and make make it so that we own more. Mm-hmm. That's the only that's the fuck all everything else. The only way that we as a people are gonna elevate is through ownership of assets. Mm-hmm. Everything else is noise. I'm getting, I'm getting, I feel it, I feel but, it, I feel but, it. I, you know, I just feel real strong about it, man. And um, that, that kind of, that's the, the, the core 
that's my why of what I do, what I do, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. You know what I mean? Blockchain is just is the vehicle, me- yeah, the vehicle the in which you know you could do it. Similar to, you know, uh, we can kind of go go into the um, blockchain stuff right now, but similar to like the internet. Let's just say the internet right now, right? If there's Amazon owns such a uh, nice portion, chunk of the internet, right? I think it's like seventy five percent built on AWS. Something, something crazy. crazy, right? So you wouldn't you wouldn't call the internet that Amazon thing, right? You wouldn't say, "Oh, the internet." If I say the internet, you say, "Oh, that Amazon thing." Yeah, nah. You wouldn't say that, right? So let's take blockchain technology, right? When I say blockchain, people say, "Oh, that Bitcoin thing." That's just one aspect. That's just one it. aspect. It may be a large aspect. It could be a large aspect, yeah. But it's it's one, it's mm. minuscule compared to the big picture, right? Mm-hmm. So this is that's kind of like how I how I try to explain blockchain to people because they they immediately say, "Oh, Bitcoin is down." I'm like, "Bro, you you you're not even you think it's small, there, yeah. right? You need to be thinking big, bitch. <laughs> Think big. Bitcoin just one piece of the infrastructure. Blockchain is the actual infrastructure, is the roads, the highways, the yes. light poles, yeah. the plumbing, all of that. That's what blockchain is. Yes. So yes. I, I want to ask now. We kind of on the conversation of blockchain, right? With Equity Coin. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Equity Coin is the fusion of your tech background and your real estate background. How is Equity coin using blockchain technology to address issues with affordable housing. Before we even get in that, can you just explain what equity coin is? Oh, for sure. So again, I started buying my assets in 2017. And then the the last um, tenant, well, one of the last tenants that we brought in, she was coming from a shelter. And this is 2020. Um, she was coming from a shelter. And, um, you know, when we handed her the keys, you know, we use this program called City FEPS which takes families from shelters and, and partners them with landlords like, like, uh, like me. And they pay for five years of rent, up, like five years of rent guaranteed, um, one year of rent upfront. Really? Like they really hook it up. They really hook it up for the landlord. And you so said it's called FEPS. It's called City FEPS. City FEPS in New York. They have it in New York. But when I handed her the keys, like she broke down in the most grateful tears that I've ever, I've never witnessed in my life. Somebody had so much like, gratefulness mm-hmm. towards towards me and I, at, at that moment i felt i never felt more Your fulfilled purpose. fulfilled this is my purpose i'm like yo if i could do this a thousand times over i fulfill my purpose i'm good right so i thought about okay how can i scale this i i got the the knowledge you know my my best friend was a is a cryptographer and he's been my best friend for 10 years so he came on board as our cto for equity coin so we have the technical know-how right so how can I how can I exponentially grow not only our portfolio of assets and be able to have community members own fractions own fractions of the assets? Should we do that? Oh, you good? All right, <laughs> own fractions of the assets, or um, you know that that's that was the key. So from that moment, I called my friend. I, you know, from that moment where we where I uh, housed the the woman coming from the shelter, called my homie uh, Akil. Akil Ash, who actually helped Venmo and PayPal build out their one of their blockchain oh, yeah. systems, he, right? He, so gave him a call. I said, "Yo, I got this idea for this thing called Equity Coin. You know, what did you think?" He said, "Yo, I think we could do it. I think we could do it." And we sat down. We started to think about the logistics of, as far as like adhering to SEC rules and regulations, Finra, CIPIC. You know, we want to do this right. We want to do this the right way because 
what I saw in 2020, I saw a regulation coming, right? I, I've been in the market, I've been in the blockchain space heavy since 2016. So I've seen the mm-hmm. evidence flows, right? And when the market starts to get hot, you know something's about to yeah. pop mm-hmm. as far as like, you know, FTX happened, for example, right? Fiasco. <laughs> right, right. Fiasco. Three arrows, capital. Fiasco. So when those things happen, regulation starts to pile in more. And when regulation starts to pile in more, you have to, be, whoever's in the position, it's like musical chairs, whoever's in the position who did the background work to be a, a compliant is going to win at the mm. end of the day. So that's when I, in 2020, I said, you know, we could have came out with a token that was backed by nothing, that was just this token that, you know, I had this idea and blah, blah, blah. You invest, put up 100,000 shares of it. Right, and put up a million shares or whatever. But I said, no, 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 no. We got, this has to be backed by real tangible assets, mm-hmm. real income. Because at the end of the day, if anything were to happen, we always have assets that will cover everybody's investment. And that's it. That's a key component to building something that's real. That's how you make sure you're not in the rug pool. That's exactly right. And I'm not, we're not here to, it's no quick it's no quick money. This is forever shit, right? I'm trying to, I want to do this forever, bros. So with that mindset, I don't need, I don't need to scratch and scramble for cash because we know that this is going to be a long-term process. Um, so essentially equity coin is a representation of assets in our portfolio, the token itself. And as a token holder, you get dividends sent directly to your bank account or to your equity coin wallet in the form of Ethereum, or it could be equity coin, or it could be a, a stable token like DAI, DAI. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to take, a, take an asset, fractionalize it, have people own pieces of it so that they can not only, not only be able to build their wealth, but have a community that they can tap into. Because right now we have about we have 72 uh, token holders right now, 72 investors, investors, token holders. And I mean, we've got judges, bro. We've got, you know... <laughs> Big time entrepreneurs, yeah, politicians, all in this group, you know, mortgage professionals. People so who are making decisions who that make, make things move. That's right. So anybody in the group, not only are you investing and in, in getting income and have ownership, but now you could tap into the community and be able to own assets by yourself. Because it's not it's not only about us owning together, it's about us owning as individuals as well. Mm-hmm. And if we could help each other do that, then I think we you know, we on the, uh, the good path, but the, the idea behind equity coin was to create a test case scenario. Equity coin is a test case of the tokenization of real assets. And the whole idea was to create this infrastructure so that we can white label it and allow any community developer across the country to be mm. able to create their own token, mm. create their own equity coin. So f- from what I'm hearing, equity coin is basically you doing a crowdfund on the blockchain. Boom. Boom. I mean, you, bro, you've got a few things that have happened that has brought us to this point. You got 2012 with the Jobs Act. Jobs Act, Act yeah. Jobs Act of Obama. I, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that because, mm-hmm. like, our thing is all about crowdfunding. It's about giving access to non-accredited investors, people mm-hmm. who, don't, who don't make $200,000 $200, a year. Mm-hmm. Right or have a million dollars in 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 uh, net, net worth, worth. Right, that's that's it's only seven percent of the of the country that are in that field. So you mean to tell me the government has set it up so that only seven percent of America can take part in investments? 
and really and, truly yeah. and really true generational wealth returns. That's that prior to 2012. That's what the scenario was. After 2012, it opened up the the floodgates, and it's this is we're new, bro. We're at the very beginning. So you had 2012 that happened. Then you had the SEC give um, start the crowdfunding uh, regulation, crowdfunding, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then in 2021, I think it was March, March or May, uh, they increased. The amount that you can raise from one point zero, uh, it was like twelve hundred dollars a person. Or so it was, it wasn't so, a lot, right? It wasn't a lot. It was you could raise up to a million. It was about a million dollars. Now they raise it to five million mm. that you can raise. So now that's real. That's capital, right? A million is eh, you could do a, a little something. Five million, okay. Now, now we're talking. We can do something. Um, so th- these are, these are the sequence of events that have allowed us to even exist as Equicoin, right? Um, you know, our next thing is a system called equity share. Mm-hmm. And I think I, I, I just alluded, alluded to it earlier. It's the white label version of, of, what, we're, of what we're doing. So let's say, Jay, you, you're a community developer in Dallas, right? And you're saying, yo, I want to, I got, I got an asset. I got a five unit asset, but I'm look, I have this, you know, I got the knowledge. I got everything I need. I just need capital and I just need to grow. So, and I have a community of people that are ready, willing, and able to help me grow. But what infrastructure can I use for that? Mm-hmm. That's where equity share comes into play. Because we can, number one, allow you to raise capital through our crowdfunding portal, through the equity share crowdfunding portal. After the crowdfunding portal is done, is after you raise the capital, you can tokenize those shares on the blockchain of your company mm-hmm. or of the asset. You can tokenize those shares. After that, now the token connects all of the investors. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not most of these crowdfunding sites. What, what really irks me and w- which is why we're doing what we're about to do is that when you crowdfund, after you raise the capital, the crowdfunding company kind of wipes their hand clean of you. And it's like now and, it's just you and now the person it's just you, you invested. You in. and the people who invested and the people who invested are feeling like are probably feeling like out of the loop because, OK, where's the community? Right. This this has crowdfunding has to be accompanied with community. If it's not, you're going to have people complaining. Oh, I didn't, I don't, I don't know what's going on with my investment. I didn't get any of like you have, that's why with equity coin and our equity coin token holders, we have a, a beautiful community of people that come together digitally, physically. We have something called equity house. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's an event series that we do specifically with equity coin token holders. We did it at uh, Art Basel in, uh, in, in Miami. Miami, in Miami. We did it in Brooklyn, New York at one of my properties in, in Brooklyn. So it's, I think for, for us with equity share, we're going to give community developers the tools to raise capital, to tokenize and to create value in their communities and make sure that the community is actually able to benefit. Ooh, that's hard, man. I I want to peel back some layers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I got questions with this too. (laughs) So, So like with equity coin, right. We established that this is basically a way that you can go ahead and allow small dollar investors to start crowdfunding and it's built on the blockchain instead of through uh, another website, right? Now, just to all the people listening, this is something that you recently shared with us. This is going to be licensed and regulated through the same financial uh, entity, FINRA, that regulates investments, And you're already regulated by the SEC as well, That's right. right. We're regulated by the SEC, and we literally, literally three days ago, we just got our FINRA credentials. And this is something we've been waiting, yo... We've, we've been waiting. We've been waiting for a while for this. We've been waiting for a while for it. So I'm not going to under, understate 
how much this means to the company and to, I think, the industry as a whole, because this gives us the, the you know, credibility that we need on the financial side and the regulation side in order to facilitate our, um, our game plan. Mm. And now it's, now it's off to the races. Mm. You know, and we already have community developers across the nation that are ready, willing, and able to raise capital, tokenize, and and do what they what they need to do in order to get the more. So that's the part I kind of want to peel back, right? Yeah. So the raising capital part. Let's just put it into an example. Like you said, I'm a developer out here in Dallas, and I say, okay, I want to raise five million dollars. I want to raise the max. So I come to Equity Share, and I say, okay, hey, let's set up this account. So I raise the five million dollars. That's the raising part. How does the tokenized part mm. work? Mm. Do I have to buy the actual asset and then that's where I'm issuing out the token? How does that work? And can you break it down to the average person who might be listening? For sure. So buying a company, let's say for example, you 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 create a company and you create a company with with a Delaware a Delaware corporation mm-hmm. for ten thousand shares in the company. Delaware actually has a rubric. They have they have a set of rules and regulations that you can use to tokenize your shares on the blockchain. Really? Really. So and that. it's called the uh, Delaware Blockchain Initiative. So, so when it when it's like that, is it like one share to one token? That's exactly right. It's a one to one ratio. It's a one to one ratio. The reason why you tokenize is because in a traditional sense, if you own shares, we're still in paper form, bro. We still use paper shares. Man, I was just reading a fucking book. I can't remember the book, but it was like, it was a paper share. And the guy, fuck, what the <laughs> hell is it? Because he scammed a lot of people. I think it was actually the uh, the Ponzi, the Charles Ponzi. Charles Ponzi. So yeah, yeah Charles man, Ponzi. Son. What he did was... He had a, a company. It was either Charles Ponzi or another. Charles a bad man. Charles Ponzi or another guy. Is this other Asian guy? I think it is actually. But he had this. He only had one share of the company, and mm. he was the sole owner. Right, right, right. But like you're stating, it wasn't digitized, so they couldn't track the owner of it because it was paper share. How many? You could give papers out any to anybody, right? And and that's why, that's why that's why it's so comical. That this like unless unless you're on the Nasdaq, the Dow, the Russell 2000, or one of those um, exchanges, mm-hmm. then you if can you, be digitized. Yeah, if you're if you're one of those, if companies, you're, right? but you're like a regular company, you're basically just Over what you have registered with the state. That's with your secretary of state. Right, right. So in order to digitize for community developers, people that aren't on the Russell 2000, I'm not on the the Nasdaq, bro. Like I'm not. My business isn't worth 200 mil. It's worth a million. Right. You're not getting on the Nasdaq with that. So this allows normal people, everyday community developers to be able to digitize their shares so that you as an investor of that company. Now you have the ability to exchange value from that shares without needing a lawyer, you know, without needing to get if you invest in a regular company like with paper shares, if I want to sell my my shares. You got to go to bro, that operating you, agreement and yeah, you got right, these you gotta buy go, sale bro, agreements. All you got to go through all of this on the blockchain. The transfer of the token operates as a transfer of the shares because mm. in the smart contract and we kind of like going into the weeds a little bit, but every token that's out there is powered by a smart contract. So are the, these tokens. So like just again, peeling yeah. back for the people, those are essentially the same thing as NFTs, right? 
Mm, but it's, NFTs it's, it's, the same as a it's the same as the actual share. It's right? the same as a share. It's, it's the same a as a share. Of a company. So like an NFT, the whole you know whenever it's non fungible. Not so yeah. Token, but I right? think it is actually it's a fungible token because it's a share well, of fungible means you can it's physical physical. Is that that I thought it means that the value is so I thought non fungible tokens it means that the value of each token is different. It's not going to all be the same. Mm-hmm. But from what I'm hearing with equity they can coin, exchange, they can it's, exchange. Let's say once again I raised five million. I, I raised five million dollars, right? And now I tokenize it. I say, okay, I'm going to do 100,000 tokens. And I'm going to divide that 5 million by 100,000 tokens. And whatever that That's one share, tokens. yeah, whatever mm-hmm. that one share is worth is worth that. But an NFT, non-fungible so you, you token. You 50, $100,000 token. Yes. But the NFT, a non-fungible token, that's saying I got 10,000 board that apes. Got you. Is you, you need, they're unique. Yes. I got the you. value I got you. Okay. is unique. So not the same, but yeah. same concept of it's on the blockchain and it tracks your ownership, but now you have the members of the community. They own these tokens that represent their share of ownership in the actual project. So like with Equity Coin, uh, is it like, different tokens for each project is that how it works so how we're doing it is is a real estate investment trust model okay right so it's kind of like a REIT it's a REIT right REITs on the blockchain we're not a REIT yet because we haven't crossed the hundred investor threshold we hope to you know cross that in the next month yeah you already I mean we're there but we're we're really picky we're really picky about who can invest that makes sense this is not for every we're not just out here everybody own equity that's I mean that we want to do it strategically because you've seen in the marketplace where you let everybody invest, you let everybody invest, it's going to come back to bite you. Because right? some people don't understand the principles of it and they think right. that they can right. take their last $500, right. put it into this, and it's going to be $5,000 tomorrow like them scammers be telling y'all in y'all DMs. Stop responding to them people. That's not me. We're not going to do this again. We're not going to do this again, damn it. <laughs> I'm just saying. But like people will do that and then you you can't let everybody just hop onto those types of investments. Um, but that's, I'm sure. Well, especially in the beginning, because yeah. you, I, I don't want anybody to invest who hasn't been able to have a conversation with me, hasn't been able to truly understand what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then it's going to come back and you say, oh, I didn't understand. I didn't really know what I was Oh, so you didn't understand what you were investing in. I, I, I want you to make sure that you know the ins and outs. Any questions that you have, I want to make sure that we answer it before you invest, right? Before mm-hmm. you come on board. Are you a small business owner looking to grow and expand your operations? Are you tired of all the gurus promising getting rich quick and then offering no results? At Black Wealth Renaissance, we understand the unique challenges business owners face in securing funding. And that's why we're excited to offer comprehensive funding solutions in partnership with you leverage capital. With you leverage capital, we've given you access to the Business Credit Builder, which is a powerful software that walks you through the process step-by-step of how to build business credit and guarantees you will secure the funding you need to grow and expand your business. Visit blackwealthrenaissance.com funding today and get started on building your business credit and securing the funding you need to grow and expand your business to the next level. Again, that's blackwealthrenaissance.com funding. And I think like what we're seeing right now with with this emergence of crowdfunding, blockchain, we're seeing the emergence of the sharing equity economy. 
And this is actually let's one talk of, about this. Let's talk about that for real because this is this is a big piece of it. This is one of our one of our major trademarks: the sharing equity economy. And I think sharing equity economy 1.0 was with Uber, Airbnb, Toro. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. You know, the gig economy. The gig they, economy, right? They they provide the platform, you provide the service, the fulfillment. Right. So, but I even think about like the equity part that he's talking about, the sharing equity, is the equity pulling out your vehicle, right? Before Uber and Turo, a vehicle was solely considered a, 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 a liability. Mm. But Uber and Turo allowed you to tap into the equity right. that was in your vehicle, right. allowing you to start making money from it. Right. So I get what you're saying. Even like the... um park your RV at my house type mm. tapping into that. And then Airbnb allowing you to actually extract ac- equity by allowing people to stay in one room and shit like that. So these companies, Uber, Airbnb, they went up against mafia driven organizations globally. Hotels. Globally, right? <laughs> globally, bro. I mean, you got countries, Marriott, countries, Marriott. That were, countries that were against Uber that didn't want them in. And, and it's still fighting them to this day or Airbnb for that matter. And the reason is because you're disrupting monopolies. Mm-hmm. When you're disrupting monopolies, you, you're poking the bear. And I feel like the only way, if you're going to create something that's really going to be meaningful, you got to poke bears, bro. And I think with what sharing equity economy 2.0 is with the emergence of crowdfunding and blockchain where banks are going to start to get disrupted. Mm. Because now communities are coming together saying, yo, we got a thousand people in this community. We could, If we put $100 each together... We could buy this building instead of getting a thirty-year mortgage. We can own. We can. We can get, a, own that without interest, without the two times the value of the property interest that you have to pay with a thirty-year mortgage. So people are starting to wake up and see that these tools are available. And I think with equity share, it's going to kind of push the push the needle forward. Where now p- community developers around the country are going to start to wake up and say, "Yo, my entire capital stack doesn't need to be with a bank. I could." Even if it's 20% of, of the value of the capital that I need to acquire this building comes from the community, that's still 20% we've taken away from the banks. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we've raised almost a little bit over 250000 as equity coin. That, that went 90% went to uh, the real estate, 10% went to build up our equity share, equity, equity share portal. We could have so, went to the bank for that, but we went to the community. I do, I'm glad you brought that up because that made me think of another question with equity coin. So with that if somebody were to try to exchange their token or cash out, how does that process work? Do y'all hold money for liquidity? Is that how that like how does that part oh, work? So they can work, they work together. So if an investor wants to sell, you can buy from another investor who's in the group, right? You have you have this this exchange um, platform, which is equity share, that allows you to exchange with current token holders. Gotcha. Or if you have somebody who is looking to become an equity coin holder, holder, you can bring them to, to the table and they can buy your tokens out, right? So it's, it's you're, you're creating this community of exchange um, where you don't need to have a lawyer. I don't need to hire a lawyer mm-hmm. because the value is exchanged through the blockchain. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And it's based on a real asset. Based on a real I asset. Can track what it's worth. Right, exactly. Mm. This is exactly. Like, this is me... This is my portion of this building. I own 5% of the, the portion of equity share. I can sell you my 5%. And that is no need for the actual 
like a liquidity pool, like on these crypto tokens, because at the end of the day, the value of the asset isn't derived from what we think it's worth. Right. And what the next person will buy it for is derived from what the asset generates. That's right. I'm following. That's right. Mm, that's good. That's good. I kind of want to pivot. I know we're coming up on time, but oh, it's man. a few more things that I definitely want to get into. And one of the things that we talked about was the last name situation, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Your your last name is now legally just J, mm-hmm. right? And I remember I actually I was like, yo, what, what, what's up with that? Like, why'd you do it? And whenever you gave me a reason, I was blown away. I was like, damn, dog, it's really smart. So can you give us the background story to how you came off on that epiphany and then how life has been since moving forward. Well, I just want to say, like, it, it wasn't a small thing to change my name. Meaning, it wasn't a small... It was something I, I pondered on, thought about really deeply, because I'm a junior, right? Mm. I, I was I, like, how, how did your family to react to I that? Look, my pops is my hero. You feel me? Like, he's taught me everything I know about business, everything I know about integrity. You know, so his name, the name means... like He, he means a lot to me, so... And then my family means a lot to me. But then... You know, the more I learn about history, the more I learn about what happened to our people in this country, the the less value that last name gave me, mm. right? And I, I, didn't, I felt like an imposter with that last name. I felt I felt like it wasn't me, you know. And I'm I'm sure this is probably you know what Malcolm X felt or you know these other these other guys back in the day, um, but. One a few times people came up to me and, and we were talking about the the name Jones and they make a joke out of it. Is it is it a slave or is it the slaveholder? Uh, right, mm. because jo- Jones is one of those names that for That's sure a lot of black Jones for sure came from slavery. You know, slavery yeah. times. Way right? too many black Joneses for it not to be <laughs> right. Right. Um, so I think it was important for me to be able to have an identity that is my own that I I know I know for a fact that. No slave slaveholder gave this name to me, right? Mm. It's something I created. Um, it's really it's really important important part of my identity, you know. Mm. I appreciate and I, I know you, you kind of got a, a yeah, like a no, because it's not similar in a sense, but it made me understand where he was coming from because, like, where I'm from, Southern Louisiana. Uh, my name's David Bellard, right? Grew up in rural country town. My I'm a junior as well. My dad's mm. David Bellard, senior. Up the street and around the corner from us, there's a white man named David Bellard, right? So that slave or slave owner joke, it, it's not really a joke. Right. Because it's like, they, we see them and they talk like, oh, yeah, man, we must be cousins. And it's like, did you know we <laughs> weren't cousins? <laughs> if we is cousins, because your grandpa fucked my grandma. <laughs> and it wasn't consensual, you mother. So, no, I, I really do understand that. And whenever you first, whenever I first met you, it's something that I brought like it kind of made me think of is like, you know, that last name, we always say we hustling and working for our last name. Yeah. But whose last name is, whose last name is, last name. Damn, that's deep. That's Mm. deep. Like what what legacy are you building? That's deep. Whose legacy are you building? Mm. Oh, I got Sheesh. But no, like I, I love that you were able to, that the you took that step to identifying it yourself to help build your legacy for yourself, right? Because the other piece I think of it, I'm a junior as well. I want to talk to you more about how your family took it, mm. because I think that's something that somebody that may consider it like wanting to do that 
want to understand how that process worked for you. Well, you know, they make fun of me. You know what I'm saying? They, they make they make for, oh you the J, you're not a part of the family. You know, they make fun. Oh, I we think, taking family pictures standing <laughs> over there. <laughs> Damn. I, think, I think at the end of the day, at the end of the day, they understand and they value what I'm bringing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? They value it because I'm thinking outside. I'm thinking different. Um and it's just like we're just so conditioned, bro, as as a society to accept what's given to us and not be able to make changes mm-hmm. we have to be able to own ourselves and if we need to make a change we got to make a change you know no matter what mm. you know? that's deep that's deep dog Man, it's some bullshit though it, it, it is so much. my damn question i want to know about how <laughs> equity coin and blockchain was going to revolutionize the dang well uh, they can ask the question right, right, man. Man. <laughs> so vernon i want to ask you yeah. with equity coin because one of the things i know you mentioned you're working with is affordable housing yeah um how is applying blockchain technology to that assisting in solving some of the problems with affordable housing? Because if I'm not mistaken, we're like at a still in an affordable housing shortage right now. We, yo, listen, man. Tonight, there's 500,000 people sleeping on the streets in America. Tonight. Every day. Right? I mean, we have, not only that, we have a shortage of 7 million affordable, affordable apartments in the country. So this is, even though it's uh, an epidemic, there's a lot of opportunity as well, mm. right? So just like with the internet, just like with blockchain, you can apply it to any type of thing. You can apply the internet to do nefarious things. You can apply the internet to raise capital for, you know, children that are, you know, sleeping Blind on the streets. Or what? Mm-hmm. So you can use the technology in any avenue that you please. For me, I feel like the best way to use this technology is to house people who are coming from shelters, house people, house families who are not sure where their next meal is going to come from and they need a place to live. We, we seem to think that like mental health, you know, just comes out of nowhere, but in our communities, a lot of our mental health issues comes from not having adequate, you know, basics, not having a, a home, living in a shelter. Imagine you're a kid. The, the last the last tenant that we brought in, she had a 10-year-old year, ten son. Imagine that 10-year-old son living in a shelter for years, going through, going to, you know, elementary, uh, junior high school, college, and high school, and dealing with that. So now we've provided them with, provided him and her, his mom with a standard, a nice quality place to live. So now that they can, they can think about the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, you know, you can apply this shit any any type of way you want to apply it. I'm applying it to help our people and to at the same time, we're going to own assets together and we're going to do this, you know, for for forever. <laughs> you feel mm. me? I love it. Yeah. I love it, my brother. Um, we're going to pivot into our last questions. Yeah. I'm going to let David get off his last question. All right. So, yeah, my final question, my favorite question is what are you currently doing with your money to ensure your wealth? Mm. Damn, that's a good one. Damn. Damn, well, you get better. Listen, listen. He he come through the the Tommy gun on him. I'm famous for this, and I think anybody who's trying to do anything incredible, like is famous for it, I go all in, bro. So last last month, December 6th, we just closed on a five unit in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, all in, all in. When in uh, 2017, when we bought our four unit in Brooklyn, is we bought it for 650 at the time. Right now, we just got to appraise. It's appraising for one point two million wow. in in, in five years, like five six years, right? So I went all in. So when you're saying when all I say in, all in, I mean you purchased all the cash. In, mean, meaning all in. I'm putting everything I got into it. Mm. 
right? And even though, because I, I, the only thing that I feel comfortable putting everything I got into is real estate. Because I know that shit's coming back to me. That's coming back to me in rent. Put, it, put in everything I got into creating a company is a little different. That's, that's, <laughs> a, big, that's you know, a bigger risk. That's a, that's a much bigger risk, right? People going to so, pay for housing regardless. People going to pay it's for a housing. Need. Yo, you you always going to have. So when it comes to, you know, your question, you know, what have I done? I emptied my bank account. Emptied my bank account last month um, in order to do that. Right. And are we going to, I mean, we're going to get, uh, we're going to do a cash out refinance in the next few few months. So I'm going to have all that cash come back. I appreciate but, you. Should, like that's again, these are the risks that people talk about with entrepreneurship that people don't conceptualize like so to secure your wealth you're willing to take those risks because the average person the definition of entrepreneur is a person who's willing to take greater than normal risks mm. for a greater than normal reward mm. and it's like because you have the track record and you know what you're doing with it you're comfortable with taking those risks and listen risk is like a it's like a muscle you have to you have to keep training it you have to keep training it because if you don't exercise risk or exercise the ability to take risk, we will make, remain in a state of mediocrity. Hmm. If we don't exercise risk, we will always remain in a state of mediocrity. And somebody will always be telling us how to live our life, when to come to work, when to go home, when to take vacation, or when to take your kids to, to, to their soccer practice, their football games. I want to be, yo, I want to be there for all my kids' games. No, nobody's going to tell me, oh, you got to come in an office, X that. It's not happening. I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm there all the time. And, and really, that's the value of being an entrepreneur. People, people think the value is, you know, having a lot of money. No, 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 no. The value is owning your time. Mm. So you can so you can spend time with your wife, spend time with your kids, have this holistic. What's, what's the sense of having bread, having money, if you can't see yourself fulfilled? That's a fact. You feel me? <laughs> I literally, the, Shannon Sharp just said that, and I think that was a real powerful uh, moment, like, just in terms of people seeing that again, because it's like, people see Shannon Sharp, he's on TV, he doing all these things, like, oh, man, you great, and his vulnerable, vulnerability, he said, I mean, I made all this money, I did all these things, but who do I have to spend it with? Mm. Like, they get that it's time real. aspect, it's like, real. it's not about the money, it's about the time and those those relationships. Right. Mm. But I'll let you. I'm gonna let you unload your, your Beretta. <laughs> so before that, because this is about to go off, I think he already muted it. Oh, cool. Um, are you frugal or are you a flexer? Oh, frugal as AF. Frugal AF. <laughs> frugal AF. My wife hates it, bro. But I, I you know, I, I gave her this this analogy uh, last week, and she was kind of upset about it. But I'm gonna say it here. So. I watch a lot of slave movies, man, just because it gives me, it gives me. I was like, like I can't it, do it no more, man. Nah, I watch it. My because, heart be, my heart be nah, like trauma. Bro, it, it makes, it makes me feel like, yo, whatever I'm complaining about is bullshit compared to what, what mm. they, what these people had to deal with to get freedom. So I gave her this analogy. I said, yo, imagine, imagine you're back in slavery times, right? And you had two slaves. You had one slave who was saving every single penny, every single, any kind of any kind of thing that he could get in order to get his freedom. He's on the path. In my mind, in his mind, I'm getting freedom no matter what. I'm not a slave. I'm not a mind. slave. I got to get my freedom. So every single dollar I get, every single chance I get to stack away, I'm going to stack away. Then you have another slave who is like, you know what? I'm good. 
I'm just gonna I'm just gonna stick it out for the rest of my life. I'm just gonna be here. This is this is my life. I'm accepting it. I'm not. So when I get a little bit of something, I'm gonna splurge a little bit. I'm I'm gonna do a little something, right? The little bit that I get, I'm gonna splurge to get a relief. To get a relief. Ten years ten years go by. The person who is able to who's saying, you know what, I, I want my freedom so fucking bad that I'm willing to put everything I got into it. That's how that's how I feel. Right. And I try to tell that to, to the wife because I don't want to be that other slave that's like that's like spending when they get a little bit. And then after 10 years, you look back and you're still in the same fucking spot. Right. And I, I hate to, you know, you don't I, you don't want to be talking about slaves. Um, but you don't want to get labeled like Kanye. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> But I think it's important. It's important that we talk about this yeah. because in a Jewish community, like my Jewish brothers and sisters, like they constantly talking about um, uh, the Holocaust, constantly. You know, they teach their kids young, young, because in their mind, by knowing about the Holocaust, you got to say this will never happen, happen again. again. Mm. Right. And so these for, are the steps that these we are the take. steps to to make sure that this never happens again. Right. So for us, we need to have that same kind of mentality. Say, yo, let's look back on that. Let's 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 really analyze that because this is this shit ain't happening again, bro. Mm, that's good. Um, my second one is, what are you doing to preserve your wealth for your family once you're gone? Mm, that's a good question. So I actually, shout out to uh, uh, Donald Wong, who's actually an, uh, one of the board members at Equity, Equity Platforms, Inc., uh, Equity Coins parent company. Um, he's like our guy when it comes to wealth planning. And I just got uh, set up a meeting with him for life insurance. Like that's, this is one of the things that I just got married a few months ago, you know, thinking about kids now and I want to start putting that, putting those pieces together. What if, what if tomorrow, you know, tomorrow's my day, who Mm -hmm. knows, whatever, but I want to make sure and I can feel comfortable going to sleep at night knowing that if that day does come, my family are taken care of. So I think that's one thing that, and it's cheap, bro. Like $40 a month, you know, like, come on. Come on, we, we spend that on... on like, what, what, what are we talking on, about What are we here? talking about here? So it's crazy to kind of think about how people don't do that. But I think that's kind of like life. Shit is easy. It's just that either you do it or you don't. That's a fact. You know? That's a fact. It is a fact. And that's, that, my last question is always, do you have life insurance? Oh, that's... Yeah, that's, that's the... Working on. Yeah, exactly. That's a bet. Exactly. That's a bet. Well, Vernon, appreciate you for coming, my brother. Please let our guests know where can they follow you, where can they tap in. If they, they want to invest in Equity that, Coin, what well, do they have how to can, do? How can they do that? Word. Well, right now, Equity Coin is a private offering. Mm-hmm. Right now, so, you know, it's, it's private. You, you can't just... I, if they want to apply to invest <laughs> in Equity Coin. Well, you can reach out. You could go to equitycoin.org and then go to the bottom and um, request the white paper. You'll get the white paper. You can read up on it. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me. Uh, you can go to, I'm at VPeso on Instagram. So at V-P-E-S-O. Uh, or, yeah, that's probably the best way to, to reach out to me. Equitycoin.org is the website. You can just give a give Equitycoin a Google. Just Google us. And you're going to see all the stuff that we own. And that'll give you a good sense of like where we've gone and where we're headed. I love it. I love it. Once again, my brother, thank you so much for coming through, kicking it with us, uh, giving us this value. I appreciate you, what you're doing for the community, um, your passion. I love it. And once again, appreciate you for always being genuine uh, since the beginning, my brother. Oh, um, man. 
Before this, before we wrap up, we're going to get into some house cleaning. So I want to say, everybody, please leave us that five-star rating in the review. If you're on uh, YouTube, make sure you hit that notification bell. Make sure you like and subscribe. Tap into our previous con- uh, content if you're on YouTube or the podcast platforms. Go through some of that older stuff. It's some value in there. What you got, David? Man, we got pressure all through the catalog. That's all I got to say on that part. Now, uh, we, do may- we may have an event coming up. Pretty soon, we're going to be doing things pretty frequently. Uh, Houston, Dallas, they, end of this year, we're going to be in Atlanta for the Black Men Summit. So yes, if sir. you want to stay tapped in and you want to know what we have going on when we come into your city, I need you to text the word events to 337-455-7778. Again, that's events to 337-455-7778. Uh, join our list. And we'll keep you up up to date and abreast of everything that Black Wealth Renaissance got going on. Uh, outside of that, if you're trying to get funding and you small business owner, you're scaling your business, trying to get funding, tap in with our partners here at the Business Credit Suite. Um, link going to be that to that in the show notes. And if you're trying to get your taxes done, need some assistance, we also have partners at a tax firm. Yep. Link in the show notes. So you can go to blackwealthrenaissance.com slash taxes. And for the funding, blackwealthrenaissance.com slash funding. But um, outside of that, that's really it, man. Until next time, this is Black Wealth Renaissance signing, signing out. out. Peace. Peace.